Hey, booze. Winter is here and we need to do our best to protect our crowns. You know that feeling when you finally find your go-to hair routine? It's what great hair days are made of. But it all starts with the right products in your rotation and Maui Moisture has you covered from roots to ends. The super moisturizing vegan hair care line caters to all textures and starts with aloe vera, nature's time-tested moisture miracle, as their first ingredient. Their products have no silicones, parabens, sulfated surfactants, or dyes. Their aloe-infused blends will quench your curls like no other. With nine unique product lines for every hair type, your curls, coils, kinks, and waves will feel catered to and cared for. Find your match in hair heaven at www.mauimoisture.com. Hi, guys. It's Charlie Penn. Happy holidays. Just a super important spoiler alert coming at the top of this episode. Corey and I are talking about Santa. Wink. And, and the Tooth Fairy. Right? Wink. The Tooth Fairy. Yes. Wink, wink. Yes. Um, so it, the episode's probably not safe for you and the kids. Yes. Happy holidays. We got you. Bye, sis. Corey, Corey Murray. Excuse me, Charlie. Hold on. Ice break. Ice break. You know ice is your love of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Good ice. I'm sorry. And I got a new man now. He's on the sixth floor conf- in the sixth floor of the F- SSU office. Where was this? He's in the kitchen. He stays in the kitchen. Is it an ice machine? It's an ice machine. Oh, my God. Yo, I wanted to tell Linda, like, thank you so much for this ice machine right here. Corey, I learned so much about you this year. It's been a, it's been, you know, 2019 has been fun and interesting. But Chantel just asked me, she's like, I need you to take more iron. And I want her to know I do have new iron pills. <laughs> oh, because it means that. It no, means it, that. it is a sign of low it really iron. No, no, and, I, and I legit have a doctor's uh, prescription for iron pills. <laughs> yeah, you choose ice. I choose ice. But Good morning, y'all. I am Charlie Penn. I am Corey Murray. And this is Yes, yes Girl. Girl. Ooh, it's like six days of Christmas. Oh, my God. I did not. I failed it at holidays. I had failed. I, you failed at the holidays, Corey? I had to have failed at the holidays because um, although the tree is up and it's been up for a while. You did that. I have not done any holiday shopping. And did you hear... So something's up with Amazon because usually that's like my go to like I will be I will search and filter by arrives by Christmas. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. shop like because, you know, they can I've ordered things on Christmas Eve and they've come that night. Like Amazon oh, does not play. OK, seriously. But something's up. There's like a beef between them and FedEx or UPS. Something's going down and they were warning on the news. Um, Double check. Because I think that, like, I think they're like it's serious now. Like, I think they're like against each other. So there's, you know what? You know, I'll be. Did you hear about it? I I think I have heard about that. But I also low key. I'm not a big online shopper. And then then it's the what I've been hearing about the warehouse conditions that I'm like, you know what? I'm really gonna go to the store. But at the same time, I have avoided stores, which is why I haven't done shopping. Which is why my tree underneath looks really bare right now. Girl, I'm gonna be honest. I have become a huge online shopper by default How so? because I like, I don't know. We talk about like anxiety, right. And things shopping in public, like large, like crowded, crazy. Place, it really sets me off. No. Like I feel overwhelmed. I get a little dizzy. I mean, you know, safe and it space. wasn't there like a shootout at a mall recently. Hello. Down in Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, probably every month somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, but like, seriously, like it got to the point where I would be like, in the middle of Home Goods, I don't know, TJ Maxx, Marshall, yeah. and I'd have a cart full of shit 
And I would just be like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. I can't do this. <laughs> no, I mean, that, ha- no, that was yeah. happening to me. Yeah. Or I would do all the things and then I would see the line. Yeah. You know, or just like the anxiety of it. And I, I, I just can't shop that way anymore. Yeah. You know I what I mean? I purposely like, I know a lot of people get of off on um, uh, Black Friday, but I purposely like that small shop small saturday oh, yeah. i love going to smaller store, but just for that point that they're really chill. Is chill it's not crazy um one thing i have missed um is renee bullet she does a huge black uh holiday market Ooh. black uh black owned business market and i'm i've missed it like for three years straight i think julie was there candace purdy montgomery went there you know a couple of our co-workers were there posting from it and i hate i missed it but i well, we but did I have love- the one in atlanta and I was not there. We both missed it, but I heard it was lit. Well, I'm gonna figure it out because <laughs> well, I think listen. I've seen. I think there's some really great um, holiday gifting ideas on Essence.com. Yes, and you are in New York City, sis. So oh, you no, I'm can go like pick a cute little street in a neighborhood. No, and go to all the little stores. Well, I have my like little pockets that I love. Yeah. I love to go. You know where I got you lucky last year Man. and. Um, and, you know, I digress because we'll get into our guest today, which is Sophia Chang, but we're going to talk about her later. But really quickly, Jillian got into sewing. So I literally found the cutest little random sewing um, class shop, and I bought her little knickknacks. The only thing I didn't get was a little basket. But when that. I tell you, and it was, they get the cutest little paper bag. When she saw that, and I hope Jillian's not listening. She's not listening. No, she's not. Uh, but when, she, when it was under the tree from Santa, she got so excited because it 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 almost looked quote unquote handmade. Oh my! God. It almost looked like the L's. Had Wait put a minute! It she thought Santa got it. Oh yeah, she edited this because that one time <laughs> you are playing this. But you know, but real talk. And she we, this it. is the year. This is gonna be last year. Santa is coming to our house because you know what? I need her to know. It's time. I work goddamn hard. It's time. It's time. Did I was I talking to you when I was like, you can tell him Santa's on a budget. Yes. <laughs> I won't name names, but I have a friend who told her kids, Santa's working on his finances and he's on a budget this year and he's giving every kid one gift. And See, I need, I need, I, I should have did that. It I should have did that. But no, she needs to know I work goddamn hard. That me and her father work goddamn so hard. So it's time. It's time. Are you going to tell I'm gonna her? Go through, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her have this Christmas. I'm going to let her have her birthday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Tooth Perry has been coming around a lot. Okay. So everything when tooth pair one year i well one tooth i did uh we put it i was with my girlfriend and we put a gift under the pillow Aww. she got so excited and shout out she told my friend told me how one mother she knew put glitter on the doorknob and to glitter that the tooth fairy, fairy was there like it was a trail <gasps> of glitter and i was like oh my god i love that yo the next time i just put a five dollar under the jillian was like where's the tooth she was like where's the tooth this is it this is and then so she it, still believes. Oh no, she, she still believes that whole magical fairy. I had to have our producer shout out Tiffany write a letter as a tooth fairy. Stop it! <laughs> to be like, stop it! I'm sorry, I missed giving you a gift. Stop it! Are you serious? No, I have, I haven't. I had Tiffany write it. I've gone too far. <laughs> you haven't. That's why you the know, commitment to her dreams. She, you know, we're gonna. I, I'm gonna figure it out. Parents, listen. Hey, moms, guardians, grandparents, uncles, give me tips on how to break it to my child that 
please give you tips. Yeah, please. Because yes, this sounds like it's going to be a, t- a rough no, one. No, it's going to be a rough one. It's going to be a rough one. See, in my spirit, I'm feeling like you got to just let her like grow up enough to be like, wait a minute. Well, because maybe you can't crush her dreams right now. Well, she, I think she kind of knows because, you know, we listen in the morning when she gets dressed. We, we turn on the news. Yeah. You know, we turn on the news. So, you know, when she hears hardships with kids or whatever, she or, you know, there's all these drives to give kids gifts. So if, and about a year ago, she was like, well, I don't understand because Santa gives everyone gifts. But now I think it's sort of sinking in mm-hmm. like things. Some things are off. And also at her school, you know, they make a big deal of like everyone can't have. So if you want to donate, you know what I mean? So I think oh, she's that's kind of the dead giveaway almost. Yeah. And she came home once and it was probably my opening, but I decided to close the door. <laughs> she said, you know, such and such said there is no Santa. And she looked me dead in my face. Ooh. And I was like, well, they're lying. <laughs> With the straight face. With the straight face. And I think God was over in a corner like, that was your that was your out. Corey. That was a badass mom move. I have to say, like, applauds to you. You pulled that off, sis. Well, I will admit I've been listening to some, I'd listened to a badass mom's audiobook. And I know you did too. Yes, you put me on. Because I had to put you on because I came into the office and said, you guys, you've got to listen to Sophia Chang. It was so good. Sophia Chang, I'm going to give you the cliff notes of her career. She was the one of the longtime managers of several members of the group of Wu-Tang. She, has, she calls herself the... Um, the first Asian woman in hip hop, which yeah, I kind of love. I love that because she has touched so many hip hop artists that we all... No one love. I mean, she managed ODB, RZA, JZA, Q-Tip, Raphael yes. Sadiq, A Tribe Called Quest, D'Angelo. I mean, she's worked at so many labels. Jive. She was a GM of Razor Sharp Records. And most recently, uh, Joey Badass tapped her to run his company. But then she had to stop because she said, you know, it's time for me to tell my story. She's such a badass. And talk about badass. What is the name of her book, Charlie Pan? The Baddest Bitch in the Room. Which details Hello. her rise from being an immig- part of an immigrant family in- from Canada. Canada, no less. Yeah. But, I think Vancouver, like mm-hmm. British Columbia came. New York, became a hip-hop head. True hip-hop head. Truest. I mean, Paul Simon was up in her house, like, playing cards one night. Seriously. Just Seriously. chilling. Seriously. And her trajectory to now. And if you guys are not only get her book on Audible, it's free. Okay. Well, I, I, it's not free, but if you're new to Audible... Your first book is free. That's true. So you can get her book for free. And that is not an ad for Audible. That's just a fact. And y'all take advantage of it. If I you mean, I it. did it. I li- I felt like I was living with her, but it was beautiful. She was the best roommate I've had as a grown woman. Okay. And the best part of the book, guys, which you're going to love is I feel like it was an event, an experience. And we talked to Sophia about this. She actually had all the players in her book come back. And so you know how you read a book and it's like, and then Method Man said to me, except when she says that, Method, Method Man says it. He says it's it. It's like the, and, and Q-tip. So like you're feeling like you're listening to an audio experience. It is beautiful. Like it is extremely movie. beautiful. But we were completely enamored with her. We love her. her. Um, and just really quickly, how I got introduced to her was through Joan Morgan, the writer of Chicken Heads Come Home to Through. They're besties. Uh, besties. Um, and also shout out to writer Karen Goodmarable, who I also would, she would often repost her on her feed. So that's where I got. I was like, who is this Asian woman always saying suck a dick? And and uh, she's, a, so she's got badass. a PSA for somebody. And I'm like, what? But it makes me question what is of what makes how do you it makes me to it makes me think, how do you define the baddest bitch in a room? Yeah. Like, what does it really mean to be a badass these days? Right. Yeah. Because I love that she's saying it means standing up for yourself no matter what. And you know what, Corey? I think it means standing up to social media 
influence mm-hmm. and bullying. Mm-hmm. I won't mm-hmm. just say bullying, but this idea of like, I'm going to say what needs to be said and what I feel is right. Yeah. Whether you guys drag me or not, because I don't care. Yeah. That to me is being a baddest bitch in the room. You know, speaking specifically about Sophia and standing up to bullshit, I also want to do another layer of like she stands up to fuckery. Yes. Because the (laughs) the post on her social media page that really spoke to me, um, being a woman of a certain age. uh, 30. uh, (laughs) Plus. (laughs) Um, But she talks probably about the fact she's 54. And she's like, you know, people still send her like mixtapes and still wants her to put her on. She's like, girl, I am out of this. She's like, I'm out of the game. That post she wrote about that. (laughs) She posts, but but she but she also said, but I'm a proud 54 because she said I've been there and done that. Mm -hmm. I'm into something totally new. She had kids with a whole shaman. Was it a shaman? A shaman monk. Shaman shaman monk. What did I say? And you know what? She was right in her book. The way she describes her, that man is fine. That man. I can see totally what she did. It reminds me. Have you been watching Flea or have you watched Fleabag? No, not yet. Please watch it because Fleabag had a whole entire um, affair with the priest. And I totally got it because she was like, no, I'm going to fuck this priest. And she did. And she did. And had a baby. And I feel like that Sophia said, I'm going to fuck this monk. And we have two beautiful kids. Yeah. And anyway, but we're giving way too much away. We're giving her story away, but you will be honestly, she's amazing. You will be so inspired. We're going to have her back. Yes, we are. We were, she came in her little Wu-Tang jacket and her helmet. And she was just, she I was mean, like, okay, I'm sorry. I was a little bit late. I was on the train. Like she's dedicated to her health. Like she is all the things. And you know what I liked the most about our interview it was a moment. And honestly, shout out to us. Like you always say, shout out. We asked her about her life and being a mom and the message that she's teaching women in the book. And you could tell that she like almost like came to life even more yeah. because she you know, respectively, was tired of people just asking for intimate details of Wu-Tang. Oh, Wu-Tang, yeah. Because now, it's like... Now, we did ask her about Method Man. We did, because no, I mean, ab- ab- But it was after we talked, but, we, you know, we got everything out of the way. I but. mean, but he's too fine not he's to. He's too, it was not. We had to know what he was like in real life. <laughs> we had to. But no, but I, I agree with you. She was really thankful that um, we wanted to go a little bit deeper. Into grown womanhood. And that's what we do for you guys on this show. I, I deeply believe that Corey and I are committed to that mission for you. So it's like, yeah, we could ask a million things, but we want to ask what's on your mind. And I think we asked Sophia that, and you are going to love her. So up next, Sophia Chang. But guys, before you listen, go on Twitter, Instagram, all the things, hashtag Yes Girl Podcast. Tell us what you think it takes to be the baddest bitch in the room. Corey and I really want to know. And I also really want to know, how do you set your I'm a bad bitch mood? Mm, is it music? Is it colors? Is it a mantra? Is it fragrance? What is it? Google, my Google Home's been helping me get into a bad bitch mood. You can program it to like when you say good morning, it'll give you whatever you want and then it'll kick off with music. I have two. I, I, use, I do Rihanna. music. On my playlist, I have a playlist that's called Me Vibes where I kind of want to feel moody. Ooh. But then I have one that's definitely set to uh, Lizzo's tempo that kicks it off. You put me here. Yes. Yeah. See, here come the shoulders. Yeah. But anyway, let us know. Hashtag Yes Girl Podcast. Let's do it. Oh, my God. Okay, guys. All right. Everyone, I'm standing out. This is me. I'm fanning. Corey's fanning, guys. <laughs> Sophia motherfucking Chang is in this house. Yes! We also are. known as the baddest bitch in the room. Okay. Thank you. Who's lighting up your Instagram feeds daily with all the empowerment <laughs> that a bad bitch needs. Okay. And if you're not following her, please do and tell them where to follow you. Okay. Uh, at Soph Chang, NYC, S-O-P-H-C-H-A-N-G-N-Y-C. Yes. And you're here because you wrote 
A whole memoir. A whole memoir. A whole memoir, not just half. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a whole memoir. And read an entire memoir <laughs> I for did. Audible. I did. Which became an audio event, is what I've been calling yes. it. Oh, I love Do you that. Like that? <laughs> it's an, I was like, wait, it's like an event. Yes, all the players you. are there, all the voices. Thank you. Oh, but Charlie, let me run through these players. Please run We through have the something at, at Yes Girl we do call the receipts. We read them. Okay. Your okay. receipts. She's got okay. a lot of them, guys. Get ready. <laughs> now you're going to know. You're going to know. She has managed ODB. Boom. Oh, God rest his soul. Yeah. RZA, Jizza, mm. Q-Tip, Raphael Sadiq, friend to the pod. Yes. A Tribe Called Quest. Yes. Q-tip, D'Angelo, she completely reshaped, worked at Atlantic Records, did A&R for Jive, Jive, A&R Administration for UMG, GMA of Razor Sharp Records, Cinematic Music Group, Pro Era Records. Hi, Joey. (laughs) Friend of Joan Morgan. Okay. Yes. Friend to the pod, friend of Essence. She's worked in fashion. Film, like I mean, Film, where do everything, we, sister. You may have seen her recently in of Mike's and Men podcast. She just she's blushing. She can't. She can't take her it. Whole I love it. <laughs> has anyone ever read all your receipts just like that? Uh, I think I have. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's part of being the baddest bitch in the room. But it is deliriously delightful to hear you guys read it. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. I have been following you because of Joan Morgan. Because Joan is a friend of the magazine. I follow her. I love her. I stand for her, Joe too. Joan Morgan, the progenitor, I think, of modern black feminism. Yes, I would thank just you. like to say. Thank when you chicken heads come home to Oh, yes. We but received that. I once, uh, on, on Joan's feed, she was out, I guess, celebrating her birthday or celebrating something. You came in and y'all were salsa, salsa dancing. She was salsa dancing. I was faking. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's what I was going to say. She was correcting you. And you oh, were yeah. Like, come oh, on, big Sol- time. Come on, Sol-. oh, And I was time. like, who is this Asian woman in the Gucci fedora? Hello. And then I started like Googling and figuring it out. And I think I started following you then. But fast forward to now after we've read your receipts and in one of your PSAs that you, you, you so righteously do, you said, quote, I haven't had my finger on the pulse for 25 years, but that's a lie. Because what what I, when I want to get to the fact that you just did this book and it wasn't a written book per se but it was an audio book because you finally have stepped into this moment of owning your voice and getting your story out there because you have pushed forward the story of so many and let's say it men Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. but here you you were you passed the mic to yourself thank you i did look at you charlie penn Language. Anyway, so enough Please, me talking. We have lifted each other on the show. Tell us why your book, what gave you the power to do it now? Uh, I do want to address the thing about the finger on the pulse, and I appreciate mm-hmm. your read on that. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a really smart lens through which to look at it. I mean, the point of that PSA was essentially to say, I am no longer managing talent. Mm-hmm. I never want to chase another rapper for the rest of my life. <laughs> Please stop sending me your YouTube links and your SoundCloud links. I What I'm trying to announce there is simply that in terms of hip-hop, I don't have my finger on the pulse. But yes, I have my finger on many other pulses. Thank you. Why did I choose to write it? So I would say that there are three catalysts, Corey. The first was um, Lean In came out. And it was there were there were absolute pearls in there some of it was very instructive but i think all of us in this room understand that it wasn't written from our perspective which is not an indictment nor was it really written for us 
not that's not an indictment yeah. either. Right. And so I had first conceived of the book as a lean in for women of color, mm-hmm. which it then kind of morphed into a straight up uh, chronological memoir, but I hope also peppered with some lessons. The second catalyst was I started working at UMG, as you cited, in 2014, and I took on a number of mentees, all women, young, fresh out of college, 22, and at that point, I'm 50, so I'm literally old enough to be their mother and then some. And it occurred to me then, you guys, that my experience, and you just cited it, my very spotty work experience, (laughs) having dabbled in so many disciplines, um, and particularly as a working mother, and a single working mother I understood could be instructive to these young women. And the third thing that happened was I was at the uh, Los Angeles Film Festival. They have something called the Fast Track Program, and you sit around, and you have two straight eight-hour days of pitching. It's like speed dating. Mm -hmm. So you sit with buyers, and you pitch, pitch, pitch. And me and Michelle C., my my producing partner, and Eliza Lee, who was the director and the screenwriter, we all said, you know what, we've got 15 minutes. Let's take three minutes, a minute apiece, to do our resumes. And I did kind of what you did. And I would just spit everything out in 60 seconds. (laughs) And 60 to 70% of the time, the people sat back and said, that's your movie. We hope the movie is about her. And I'm telling you, at the end of the first day, I was like, I'm going to fucking do a documentary about me. (laughs) Fuck everything else. Like, I need a documentary about Sophia Chang. So those were the three catalysts. Um, And then in October 2017, now I'm the child of immigrants. So Mm -hmm. I have this um, work ethic that is essentially inscribed forever onto my DNA. (laughs) And um, I had money saved, but I still couldn't force myself to just quit and write. And then I was running Pro Era, and in October 2017, I told Joey badass whom I adore that I'm not writing I kind of need to go and he just said go so because I love you more than I need you to run my label you need to write that book that's the last job I have was running pro era for Joey badass Wow. And look at and talk about Paul. Look at one that. of the hottest rappers right now. Okay. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> and this is the hottest audio book. Is it audio book? Is that the right term? It is the right it's term. It's the hottest one ever. Like Thank I you. was like, I was I had it in my headphones in bed and my husband was like, What are you like squirming and laughing and yet because it's a different experience for him. Yeah. I'm over there like, yes, amen, sus. I'm giving him like all the and he's over there like what are you going through right now? But thank you for that. And it's interesting, Sophia, that you say the lean in for women of color, Mm -hmm. because the reason I was like, you know, just basically clapping along to your Mm -hmm. words is because so much of what you said about being the only woman in the room and a woman of color in the room or basically a unicorn in your space at all times, right? We go through that as women of color in so many ways. And I want to ask you about one of the parts that really related to me. When you talked about when you got that big, I think it was a job, the big job offer and your friend. Yes. This whole passive aggressive column thing right. yeah. that shaded hurtful. the hell out of you, yeah. you know, without directly yeah. saying your and name. We were so close. So close. Someone who supported you yeah. didn't even believe you were worthy yeah. for something that was right on your path. Right. And I felt I felt that before. And nothing hurt you more than someone you trust and admire not believing in you. Yeah. And I think for as women of color, sometimes that happens a lot because people are dealing with their own bias. Yes. Even yeah. the people who love you. Yeah. So can you just talk a little bit about breaking through that? Class? I can. I mean, that was really hard. He was a really good friend of mine. He was also somebody that introduced me to so many people. He yeah. introduced me to Tribe and Jungle and La and Daily. You know, he really hip-hop. was very instrumental in bringing me into the New York hip hop um, culture and the community. And I think that it's so interesting because it's almost as if he was saying, I want you to come in, but only so far. So allow me to continue to keep the gate. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that was so disappointing and really hurtful because I myself was insecure about it. I myself was saying, you are a Korean Canadian middle class college educated French lit major and you are stepping into a world that is not your own Mm -hmm. that is not of your making this culture is not yours you didn't make this culture and I understood that that was a privilege and yet I was still insecure about it so to have him knock me down like that um, absolutely kind of shook my foundation but I will say that the hip-hop community I mean it started with Crazy Legs the founder of the Rocksteady b-boy crew and dj scratch the greatest turntablist in the world they were really the first two that i met like way back in 87 and they just were like come on so you're good and the hip-hop community in general welcomed me and embraced me so warmly that that kind of mitigated a lot of that doubt and that fear um and then of course everything changed with the wu-tang the way they took care of you oh my god Club that, scene with ODB? Yeah. But I also love when the fact that Method Man was like, yo, anybody fuck with Sophie? Screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Screaming on people. Oh, my God. Like, who are you to ask her where she's from? I fell out. <laughs> the authenticity, because you know that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. What was it like back in the day running around with them? I mean, because they upended they hip-hop. Did. They did. Triumph um, with the... Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And that video, I remember seeing the video for the first time. Uh, running around with them was so much fun because number one there are nine of them mm-hmm. and they were <laughs> they could be rambunctious <laughs> um but i always had this remarkable place with them and it was like i was in a cocoon you know like ghost and i always talk about i'm always like i just wish I could like shrink up and like you could just put me in your pocket and take me with you wherever you go. Sometimes I feel that way. Like I just Mm -hmm. want to feel like totally safe and nobody makes me feel safer than the clan. And he's like, yeah, so if like a little genie in a bottle, I'll just put you in my pocket. (laughs) Um, And that's how I feel with or without them. Now I can go a year or two without seeing or speaking to any of them. We Mm -hmm. don't have this like, hey, how's it going? You know, let's have dinner. That's not the relationship that I have with them, to be clear. It is, um, it's not that quotidian thing, but it is so profound. So running around with them, I mean, I saw those boys throw down more than once. And when they throw down, you really understand that Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with <laughs> and that they truly bring the ruckus because I just remember at, uh, it was at, uh, I feel like it was at Summer Jam, and there was a room and the door was closed and I was going to go in and people were like, no, 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 you should stay out of there. And I remember the door opened for a flash and all I saw, <laughs> all I saw was this horde of guys and a bunch of fists. You know, Pigpen and Charlie Brown and he's so yeah, cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's the, the kind of the dust cloud and yeah. the chaos. That's what it looked like. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> and it's, and there's been more than one example of that. Um, there was also one time at Rock the Bells and, you know, when I see them, when I, as soon as I see Meth, I like glom onto him. And he, mm-hmm. he knows it's me. Mm-hmm. He will have his back to me and Ghost knows this too. And I will walk up. Now, these boys are 6'4 and 6'3. And I'm 5'4 and a half. Maybe 5'4. <laughs> and I will walk up behind them and I will just clutch. I don't care what they're doing, who they're talking to. And I'll clutch them behind their waist. And they will say, that's Sophie, isn't it? First of oh. all, no fucking buddy has the nerve to do that. No, I'm... And they don't give anybody the place to do that. Mm-hmm. And so we were at Rock the Bells, and as usual, I like climbed on the mat like a little <laughs> monkey, like, I'm just going to stay here. And he said, Sophie, I need you to fall back today. 
And he said it really seriously. And I went, okay. And of course I didn't take it personally. And I was like, okay. And sure enough, you know, when you see like, um, water rushing through a canyon yeah mm-hmm. you know suddenly that's what it was like <laughs> and i have and, and i have since because i've been going out since, since 1987 in the clubs when people had guns and before there were uh, metal detectors and stuff you you start to develop a spidey sense for this yeah. stuff and i remember going oh shit okay and it's kind of like when you see an avalanche you yes. know when you see footage of an avalanche and you just see like a few kind of things and you're like get the fuck out of here yeah. and that's so i i kind of there was a little bit of turbulence and i went oh and i was with my two girlfriends and i pulled them into this room and we closed the door but before that happened i just saw tens twenties of guys like coming through and it was the clan and i was like we need to get out of the way and yeah. then we just closed the door and i don't know what ensued but <laughs> he he knew he, knew. he intuited it. He knew, and he was like, "I need you to fall back and stay away from us," because he knew that something was going to go down. And the first thing he thought about was like, "I love you too, Soph, but you can't be near me today. Like, you need to be over there." Your artists have been family. They're your family. They have. And That's Method Man was the first person to say that to me. I mean, I grew up the child of Korean immigrants, and we didn't talk like that. You know, we didn't say, "Charlie, Corey, you family." Um, so right. when he said that to me, it was kind of stunning, and I really understood what it meant. But, you know. I have been thinking, I have a very smart friend named Julius Ona. He's a Nigerian-American filmmaker, and he directed a movie called Loose, which came out earlier this summer about an Eritrean transracial adoptee. He gets adopted by Naomi Watts <clears throat> and Tim Roth, upper-middle-class white suburb, and he's kind of the perfect boy. Mm-hmm. And so he, I saw, um, but there's there, there are dark waters down there, too, and I saw Julius in a Q&A, and he said something that I have been repeating every day to myself and to anybody I speak to. He said, I believe that every person in the world should be granted access to the full spectrum of humanity. Mm. And what he meant vis-a-vis the character was that Luce had to be perfect, right? He was like Barack Obama and Will Smith. They said that those were the models. He was, you know, he was valedictorian. He's top of the class. He's head of the track team. He's everything. He's handsome. He's perfect and everything. Whereas uh, there's another character played by my friend Stroh, who's a rapper and a phenomenal actor who gets kicked off the team for smoking weed. So neither of them are really granted access to the full spectrum of humanity, right? Because Luce feels like he has to behave perfectly. And Stroh is like, yo, I just got kicked off the team. I'm done. College is over for me because this was my only way in. And so what I hope you gathered in listening to my memoir was kind of what you referred to, Corey's the is the humanity of Mm Wu-Tang. And I'm not saying that people aren't aware of it, of course. I mean, there was a four-part docuseries on Showtime. There's a 10-part, you know, scripted series on Hulu. Mm -hmm. There have been multiple documentaries. There have been how many albums and songs and interviews and everything. But I know that I have a relationship with them that is singular. Mm That is both about me because of who I am, but it is also about them and granting me the space. So what I tried to show with my memoir was who they are as people. Because yeah. I'm not going to talk about them as rappers. You, let's, have, you know, let's have music critics. Let's have other artists. Let's have producers and MCs and ethnomusicologists talk about that and academics. My opinion on their music is not what I wanted to proffer. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to put forth was the men, the people, and like you said, how they took care of me and how they just surrounded me and were always like, you good, you good, so. Up next, more Yes Girl to come. 
Hey, booze. Winter is here and we need to do our best to protect our crowns. You know that feeling when you finally find your go-to hair routine? It's what great hair days are made of. But it all starts with the right products in your rotation and Maui Moisture has you covered from roots to ends. The super moisturizing vegan hair care line caters to all textures and starts with aloe vera, nature's time-tested moisture miracle, as their first ingredient. Their products have no silicones, parabens, sulfated surfactants, or dyes. Their aloe-infused blends will quench your curls like no other. With nine unique product lines for every hair type, your curls, coils, kinks, and waves will feel catered to and cared for. Find your match in hair heaven at www.mauimoisture.com. Another part of the book that I want to talk about is um, the, you, the way you intro the juggling act chapter. Because you say, you know, you think about it. You just came off this glorious career with the Wu-Tang, but you had a lot of stop and goes with your career. So you said at the time you had to engineer a new career, mm. discover a new dream, grapple with being a single mother and date again. Because the other part of Charlie and I were talking about this book is that it's also like your love story, like yeah. your personal love story as a woman Thank you. coming into this world. Yeah. I mean, t- can you talk to us a little bit about Crying how you, space. and you were so open <laughs> with this. I mean, that's why I was like, this is a good fucking book. I need the movie. Like, I felt like yeah, I like it really, no, because that's claiming what was that. really relatable is like. I need the movie, sister. I need it. <laughs> I need the movie. Yeah. But you had all this success, but there was all these other things going on. Your the background, I think, would have crippled a lot of women. But you were like, "No, I have to shore up mm-hmm. and get my footing." And you were honest about it. Anyway. You always carved a space out for you, Thank wherever you, you were. Mm-hmm. And we all, as women, we had to learn how to do yeah. that. Yeah. Thank you. I think. Um, first of all, thank you for talking about that. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people, for obvious reasons, tend to focus on the Wu Tang yeah, a bit, mm-hmm. you know, because they're famous and everything. But, you know, the second act of my book is the meat of my book, mm-hmm. right? And it is about falling deeply in love and then falling out of love and the fucking heartbreak and the humiliation and the disappointment and being broke as fuck, you know, mm-hmm. and being single at 43 and going, oh, okay. <laughs> and that you had the best sex of your life at, at 50. 50. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hi, William. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I miss you. <laughs> uh, I just saw him a couple of weeks ago. Thank you very much. Uh, so, yes. yes um, I mean, I think I had really mediocre sex for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I had amazing, and I would call it lovemaking with the father of my children. Mm-hmm. We had such an amazing connection. And he's a Shaolin monk. A fine um, one. And oh, a fine. Oh, he's fine as hell. Yeah, no, okay. he's fine. I Googled him. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, okay. No, he's fine as hell. Um, and he still looks that amazing. But I think that the juggling act, I think that all women, especially if you're a mother and if you are a woman of color, we walk a tightrope every day. Mm-hmm. And our tightropes are different. For me as an Asian woman, it's different for you as black women. Mm-hmm. For white women or brown women or Latinx or native women, we all have our different tightropes, but we're still walking a fucking tightrope. Mm-hmm. So going back to the point about being granted access to the full spectrum of humanity, right? So for me, for instance, as a petite, educated Asian woman, child of immigrants, I am not allowed to be angry, for instance. Mm-hmm. And as a 54-year-old woman, I am not allowed to be sexual, and I'm not allowed to be open about it. I mean, I think it's lo- widely believed that women hang up their vaginas at 40. Put, you know, put them in a freezer, cryogenically freeze them. I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe for, like, scientific study. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
And I was actually that woman. I remember at 40, and this is in the decline of my relationship, saying, you know what, I, I, I never really need to have sex again. And now... <laughs> I'm like, yo, the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> um, and, and one of the things that I talk about, uh, because anything that I do has to be subversive and it will always be about identity and in service of others, right? Because that's the only reason that I wrote the book was I realized, okay, you're going to step into the spotlight. You will abdicate your anonymity. And that's a price. I never fucking wanted to be famous. I know what the fuck fame looks like and it's mm-hmm. not that pretty. Mm-hmm. But I decided, okay, I can do it because... I understand now that I can help others <clears throat> and inspire others. So I, I talk about age in the way that I also talk about gender and race, mm-hmm. right? So for me now being careening through middle age, this is something else that I feel is really important to talk about. I've been thinking a lot, ladies, about invisibility and erasure. And I think that any of us who live on the margins, we are so consistently, systematically, and institutionally erased. Like the picture that I always get in my mind when I talk about this is a slat of a white picket fence. And I don't know if you've ever, I think I've even painted picket fences, but you just get a brush and you just go up and down and you do it so carefully and so lovingly. And I think that is how impeccably we are erased. Now, I wouldn't have to jump up and down on the table and come out here and scream that I'm the baddest bitch in the room if I had always been granted full access to the full spectrum of humanity, right? If I had always been seen, if I had always been given the space that I deserve, I shouldn't have to fight to be seen, but I do. And so I I behave the way that I do. And I know that a lot of people don't understand that, like, you're being untoward or this is unseemly or whatever it is. Number one, I don't give a fuck. And number two, it means that you don't fucking understand what it's like <laughs> exactly to be me right and the issue of being angry so i understand from my black girlfriends of course that for me to be angry i subvert a stereotype mm-hmm. right and that works to my advantage like oh look there's a little asian woman and she's saying fuck but i also understand from my black girlfriends that for black women for them to be angry and say fuck means that they play into mm-hmm the stereotype of the angry black woman, mm-hmm. right? So the rules are different. And again, it's just, it's a, it's a tightrope. And I want everybody to acknowledge <clears throat> that we are negotiating constantly. We are navigating constantly. Nothing is so clearly set out before us because we think about all of these things. How will I be perceived when I walk into a door? I'm very clear of how I'll be perceived. I mean, look at my hair, lack thereof, right? (laughs) And just the way that I comport myself. So yes, it was coming at 43, stepping out of all of those things, basically having the rug pulled out from under me. I think one of the biggest challenges was defining myself again not attached to a brilliant man. Come on. And I frankly continue to do that, but I know that that's a gift that I have. I honestly don't think there's anybody better at facilitating storytellers than me, but I also came to realize only recently that the reason I am so good at at facilitating storytellers is because I myself am a storyteller. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the extraordinary parts of my narrative is the fact that it took me until I was 50 to realize that I had a story to tell. It's like I'm telling you with the LA Film Fest when everybody was like, that's the story. I was like, oh, word? 
oh yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but that's also part of the model minority myth that I have internalized, right? Mm-hmm. Because we've all internalized mm-hmm. so much of this. And me saying, well, maybe my story isn't worth telling. You know, there was a time when I scrubbed my images off of Google. I did not want people to find me. And of course, I'm really? very different now. Come find me. No. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But yes, mm-hmm. it was um, it was a pretty rude awakening. But because I have had this kind of Kevlar titanium level of confidence since I was a child, according to my mother, I never, like you said, that it could have broken some women. It never broke me. Like even... Mm with the dissolution of the relationship, I didn't have sleepless nights. I didn't curl up in bed and cry and couldn't get out of bed. I'm not really that person. Um, I'm not depressive, which I'm grateful for. I always knew that I had to get up and go. And also, I have two kids. So what are you going to do? You're just going to be, you know, I'm just going to like wallow in my, you can't, I can't, I've got to get up. And even though I have a middle-class safety net, again, I still have this immigrant work ethic and I've got to go, go, go. Um, And yeah, and dating was, you know, I woke up and I felt like Forrest Gump, like, oh, wait, you do what? You send what, pictures, pictures of what, you want a picture of what? Oh, right now? Wait, you want, wait right I, now. what do I, I, I go into the bathroom? Oh, okay, and, that, and that's a picture, holy shit! You're like, what world is this? Yes, exactly, exactly. I was like, oh my God, I stepped through a time machine and all of a sudden I'm learning what people do, and now I'm really good at it. Yes. And you like can do people it while should grocery shopping. I can, and I do it at the gym. People should pay me to write their their texts, their sex for them. But Sophie, I do want to thank you for something. Mm. Um, as we close, I have always been. I feel like I'm always the smartest person in the room, the most creative person in the room, and the kindest person in the room. I never feel like the baddest bitch in the room, and people don't treat me as such because they don't. I don't think they're used to thinking of creatives and kind and smart people as bad. Badass, right? Right. You know, when you're a badass, you you know, like all the stereotypes we deal with. But I love that you really highlight this sort of emergence of the creative badass. And we've always been there. But wait a second. What do you think people typically think of when they say the bad, like you're the baddest? I think that they think that you are the toughest, the one that's going to shut it down, the quick tongue, you know, the the ones that's throwing out the biggest words and all the hype. I think of it a little bit negative. Yeah. They're like a a little bullish. Yeah, like the closer. The closer is the baddest bitch in the room, right? right? And we're at Essence where we're all the baddest bitch in the room, right? Of course. But in that case, there's still a type, right? That's the badass, right? Right. But I've always felt like, you said this in your book, can't remember what chapter it is, but you're basically like, as the creative, Mm -hmm. it's my idea that Mm -hmm. made the company millions. And it's your business acumen that it's running it. But without that idea and that spark, you wouldn't have anything to run. right? And it's like, I just wanted to raise my creative torch up and be like, thank you for saying that because I've never been Miss Spreadsheets, QuickBooks, fuck all that. (laughs) And the terms, but I can get shit done. And I'm going to smile and I'm going to be bubbly and I'm going to be warm. But you're not going to see me as the baddest bitch in the room. But when I listened to your book, I said, but as long as I know I am, eventually you'll catch on. So thank you for that message. You're welcome and thank you for thank you for telling me how you feel about that. I mean, what I try to explain to people is you know, being the baddest bitch in the room, it is not a competition, right? Mm. Right? It's not all of us coming in here going, "Yup." You know, and, and doing and doing a survey and saying, "I'm prettier than you. I'm thinner than you. My shoes are not like that it, that's not what it's about." I just said this on Instagram. The it doesn't matter whether or not you believe I'm the baddest bitch in the room. It only matters that I do. Exactly. 
And when you claim it, because this is the thing, is that I could sit here and I could tell you as your closest friend, these are all the things that I love about you. Mm -hmm. And we have friends like this. Yeah. Yeah. But until we own those things mm -hmm. and until we claim them and understand that it is the aggregate of our extraordinary qualities that make us the baddest bitch in the room, we can't get there. So it is coming to the place where you say, you know, I might not be that person, but there are so many ways. That's the whole point is that you, if you can figure it out and you can look deep inside, you can see what it is that makes you so extraordinary and all women should be able to say that I'm the baddest bitch in yeah. the world. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that you do. So maybe you're really quiet and maybe you're really shy and maybe you never really say anything in a meeting, but you have these ideas that, like you said, that will drive yes. the company. Everybody doesn't have to be like me. I'm kind of bananas, you know, because <laughs> I'm like jumping up and down and, you know, pounding my fists on the table. My, my memoir is not instructive insofar as try to be like Sophia Chang. The world does not need another Sophia Chang. <laughs> I couldn't fucking stand another <laughs> Sophia Chang. What I am trying to do is I am trying to encourage women to mine, mine their power yes. and see their beauty, especially women of color, because Whoever tells us to do this? Yeah. Whoever says that you, Sophia, as a 54-year-old Asian mother are beautiful? Mm -hmm. Who tells me that? No. Who tells me that I'm powerful? Yeah. Who tells me that I'm sexy? Yeah. Where do I get those messages from? Not the dominant culture, yeah. not the media. So this is what I am out here telling people find it in yourself find the village that makes you feel this fucking special about yourself and joe morgan is absolutely one of the pillars of my village yeah. did i mention that she is a progenitor of modern black feminism yes you I did say that okay thank you, you very did. much so <laughs> doubling down i like it i like it doubling down uh so you know i hope people understand that it is not about me being competitive and trying to claim my place at the top of some peak it is me saying that me and my crew and all of us, and all of you can be that too. It doesn't matter. That's mm -hmm. not the point. Again, mm -hmm. it's just that I feel this way. Mm -hmm. And especially, again, especially women that live on the margins that get no signal yeah. that they could ever be the baddest bitch in the room. Mm -hmm. We claim that. We shouldn't have to, but we do, and we must. Yes. And eventually the narrative changes, right? I Absolutely. think, look at John Legend, as I liken it to him being people's sexiest man alive, and everybody was like, what just happened? I'm like, I know what happened. He's an amazing husband, father. He's super talented. He's every man, and that is the new sexy. And right. what I thought was interesting is like we kind of knew that, but right. Method yeah. Man, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, we have to Can know. we just have a Before moment we, a closing yes, we can, for the forever fineness? Wu Tang is, forever. What is he like in real life? Like, like we've that, seen that, him at Essence Fest. Like he will a split distance. a room. Yeah, my lord. Um, and I'm happily married. I just want to double down he on that. Is, um, <laughs> Meth is the platonic love of my life. Mm -hmm. He is he is six four, you guys. So you know how you meet a lot of famous people and you go, oh, you're shorter in person. No, he's no, taller <laughs> in person. Um, I also am astonished. I don't know what you think. I think he looks better. No, he does now. Oh he my does. god, we like, did a whole story yeah. on Essence about how he just gets finer. He does. It's he just, just looks what's more happening. and more. He yeah. did this post recently, and he was kind of. Um, he was advocating to be some Marvel superhero and he showed himself at the gym. I was like, 
Clifford Smith. Well done. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I, I don't, I can see how people find him attractive. I personally don't find him attractive. We don't have that relationship. All my girlfriends have always had a crush on him naturally as, as the rest of the world has. But I think how he parts the seas mm -hmm. and how he splits the room is not just in his physical stature. It is his energy. Uh -huh. You know, Jizza always taught me, so if we emit energy, vibrations, and frequencies. Uh -huh. Meth is a Pisces. His birthday is March 3rd, like my son, who is um, March 16th, and my brother, March 13th. Pisceans are extremely sensitive. And Meth and my son are the greatest empaths I know. He is so empathetic. He is so kind. He can feel everybody's energy. And if you are not comfortable, he does everything to make you comfortable. Oh, if he yeah. feels like you're maybe not, I mean, you could tell from the opening story, right? Mm -hmm. He immediately keyed into what that guy was saying. When mm -hmm. that man said to me, where are you from? He quickly understood the race and the gender subtext of that question. Because yeah. he didn't actually give a fuck, mm -hmm. right? right? He wasn't really asking me where I was from. He was really saying, you don't belong here, yes. clearly. So meth is, um, he, I just think he's one of the most extraordinary people I've ever met, regardless. And yes, of course, he is deliciously handsome mm -hmm. and he has an amazing body and he is tall and he's got broad shoulders and you know just impossibly good looking but again I think what you see and what is so striking and remarkable about him is his personality mm -hmm. comes out because you could have somebody with precisely his phenotype but if they were a dick right and they were self-important and they were condescending yeah. and all of that he wouldn't part the seas like that yeah. It's just that he is this very, very, very special person. And he has a very, very, very special wife whom I adore. We, we were, when you talked about um, When You're All I Need became oh, the I song need, in the summer because yeah. I was telling Charlie, I think I had either just moved to New York or maybe yeah. one or two summers, and that yeah. was the cover of the New York Times magazine. Yeah. And that was, and I was like, summer first of all, it was the dopest song ever, but then for hip hop. Yeah. And it was a love, essentially yeah. a love song. Yeah. Even Greatest now when love I song hear that, ever. I'm getting chills. When your head, when they start yeah. talking, oh, I'm yes. don't get me started. And then, the, and then it was like what? a razor, there was a mix. It was like the razor yes, mix. Yes, the razor sharp, the razor, razor sharp remix. Yeah, anyway. that's the razor sharp remix. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Tamika, Tamika is the woman in the Method Man video when he says, got myself my yeah. story, got myself, that 40, that's, that's his wife. Wow. And I just saw her like a month ago and she has gotten actually so more beautiful um, with time and you know, you see them together and you go, oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I was at their wedding and it was so beautiful and she looked so stunning and he looked so handsome. And I just look at them and I go, I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> and you just, you just know, I mean, I've known those men for 26 years. And um, to watch love endure like that, I think is really, really special. It's beautiful. And yeah. you know what's special? Having you here. Yeah. I was going to say thank you for your so time. It's so amazing to be here. We thank just, you. you lit up our morning. You light up our feeds. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for answering my DM. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, um, I'm a fan, and thank you. So I have a friend who used to work with this woman, and he said, man, so she fucking hates Sophia Chang. And I said, how do you? How do you hate she, me? Yeah. Like, and apparently she was um, was completely obsessed with my Instagram. I love it. We Get the talking, fuck we up off my Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Word, like I don't.
compel you. I don't hold a gun. Right. And make yeah. you come and look at my ass. Like you can Rihanna go, said, go somewhere else. Hey, best. What did she say? You can fuck up on my Instagram. It's oh. contagious. <laughs> That's my boo. Yeah, you know. Yes. Thank you. Stay so, off my Instagram. You know. Yes. Lovely. Or not, because we love you. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to our special guest, Sophia Chang. Be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Yes Girl, such as our conversations with Raphael Sadiq, Kelly Rowland, Regina King, and Fantasia. You can check out our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, and Google Play. And while you're there, be sure to rate us and review us. See you next week. Bye.